Ed run into trouble in a mining camp called Pickhandle Gulch, and Sharp and McAllen had helped me escape alive. Dr. Dooley was only a few years older than me, but he affected the image of a rumpled and seasoned doctor. Our friend Jeff Sharp had been to Europe and South America, worked mines, driven a stage, bossed cattle drives, and acted as an agent for a New York importer. Now in his early fifties, he had settled on a career as a wealthy mine owner, although he dressed and acted more like a range boss. We both knew what Dooley meant when he said he was going. Three days ago, a band of Utes had snatched a fourteen-year-old girl who had been exercising her colt in Mancos Valley, near Mesa Verde. The kidnapping had caused a stir, and newspapers demanded that the men in the community track down the renegades and recapture the girl. Everyone in southwest Colorado was up in arms. The more reasonable citizens wanted the Utes brought to justice and publicly hanged. But most people just wanted instant punishment. A few rambunctious hotheads had already formed makeshift posses and raced into the San Juan Mountains, intent on being town heroes. One posse had taken time to provision properly, recruit a half-breed that spoke the Ute language, and get a mountain tracker to join the group. This same posse had asked Dooley to ride along with them in case the girl needed medical assistance. "'We won't be joining you,' Sharp said. "'A telegram from Captain McAllen asked us to wait for him.' He says he'll be here in three days, and you men might be gone for weeks. No matter. Grant has recruited plenty of men. Bob Grant had organized this posse. I didn't know him well, but he seemed to be a take-charge man. How many? I asked. At least a dozen. The Utes are rumored to number only about six. Something's wrong with this whole incident, Sharp said with a distracted tone. How so? I asked. Utes don't grab women, and renegades are even less likely to take on the burden of a white woman. These small bands move fast, and they don't have any place to take them. Perhaps they wanted her horse, Dooley said. They'd take the horse, all right but they would have left her in the sage to fend for herself. The whole episode doesn't make sense. None of us said anything more, so Dooley stood. I gotta get. He started toward the door, but had a thought. Is McAllen coming because of this girl? Doubt it, Sharp said. No one's mentioned Pinkerton's. We think it's personal. Well, if you need me, send a rider. Dooley charged out without waiting for a reply. Sharp looked trouble. What's on your mind? I asked. You talk to this Bob Grant much? You don't like him? Too slick. Sharp stepped into the kitchen to fill his coffee cup from a pot on the stove. We were staying at a boarding house in Durango because we couldn't rent private rooms in Silverton. The hotels and houses there put two or more men to a room, usually in the same bed. 
After a major gold or silver strike, it didn't take long for saloons, prostitutes, and decent food to gather around the newly rich miners to siphon off a share of their wealth. In fact, Durango had grown up as a farming, ranching, and lumbering community to supply Silverton. That looked about to change. The railroad and a new smelter would make Durango the lifeblood of San Juan mining operations. When Sharp returned, he added, People talk about Grant like he's a town leader, but he's only been here a couple months, and no one knows a damn thing about him. Seems an upright, friendly sort. Sharp shook his head as though trying to dislodge an uneasy thought. Can't put my finger on it, but something ain't bolted down right with that man. And he took his sweet time getting this posse on the trail. Jeff.